What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it. It's a Roadshow Friday with Hale Varsity Radio, and we are presented by your friends at Currency for all your equipment financing needs. Go Currency. I am exiled to the uh, Casa de Schmidt basement. When I say it's a Roadshow, it is a Roadshow because Elijah Herbal, Home Football Fridays, is out at the single barrel inside the graduate Connor Clark. He's anchored down, so we are locked and loaded for North Dakota, Nebraska, the home opener, season opener 2022 at the Friendly Confines Memorial Stadium. Elijah, have you ordered that that giant steak yet to taunt us with as we stream live on ESPN Lincoln's Facebook and ESPN Lincoln's Twitter? Are you going to eat in front of us and not offer anything? Well, see, what's changed now that we've been doing this video stream here for the past month or so is the fact that um you know i got to worry about what's in my teeth i didn't bring any toothpicks with me i didn't bring any <laughs> like a, a toothbrush any gum anything like that so i'm going to save that for after the show as well as any of the, the great whiskeys that they got here it's water i promise you it's water in the cup uh, at least for now um and uh, yeah doing well but uh, saving the steak for after the uh, the show for sure you know there could be there could be some single ladies out there watching this stream and i don't want anything in my teeth that'd be just way too embarrassing for me well, there's no more mustache to freak them out with, so uh, it's it's all about dental hygiene. Connor Clark with us. Find us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio, at Herbal Essence, and at C underscore Clark underscore 27. Can follow along with the show at H Varsity Radio and uh, can send emails, plenty of emails to get into as well. Uh, Chris at HaleVarsity.com. Numbers to dial up, 466-3776-466-37-76-800-825-5865. You know, it's it's an interesting week, fellas. Thanks for coverage on your guys' end as I've been, uh, been, been trying to fight off a little COVID infection. Love you, Ireland, but didn't need that coming back with me. But we're, uh, we're, we're managing much like Nebraska football's trying to manage, right? Nebraska football's trying to manage some emotion. They're trying to, uh, to, to manage uh, some heartache. They're trying to manage how to channel this the right way. And the, the good news, if you're a Nebraska fan and if you're headed down to Memorial Stadium for 2.30 kickoff, I think they've done that. Uh, the, the injury part we'll get into but Nebraska has come back to practice the right way. Uh, uh, they need to be more physical. They need to be a little bit nastier on the lines of scrimmage. And, you know, Elijah, get your thoughts, Connor, you as well. North Dakota offers that. It's not another Big Ten team. It's not a Power Five team. But it's a, a group of dudes that 
they will roll their sleeves up and, and throw it on with you. They, they're not going to be scared. They're going to look at this thing as a, a chance to twist the knife because uh, Nebraska is still bleeding from Northwestern. Yeah, that, that twisting the knife aspect, blood in the water. Uh, of any team North Dakota could play this week to, to open up the season, Nebraska is probably their top choice in terms of a Power 5 school that's going to be paying you money and you think you have a good chance to come in here and make it a game and make it something you can come out with a victory. That's going to be huge. Elijah, we need to make sure you're connected because our friends in Omaha and Kearney are not hearing you. So we're getting that heads up. So can dial us up, can find us at 466-3776-800-825-5865. We're going to work on that, Elijah. Um, So uh, we'll figure that out. Elijah's out of the single barrel, uh, just on the – Quarter as you head towards Memorial Stadium down in the Haymarket inside the graduate. But yeah, from a from a Nebraska standpoint, this is a huge opportunity for the Big Red to uh, to turn the attention the right way. So uh, we'll uh, try one more time. Elijah, do we have you now? The issue should be fixed. Connor, the uh, the ox should be put on for me and that should do it for me. Um, Good. I'll just focus on turning down my local return. And you are an ox uh, now. It's going to be a, a fun day for yes. me, but they should hear yeah, me now. Right. But what I was th- making the point I was making was the fact that uh, Nebraska is probably the ideal opponent for North Dakota in terms of an opponent that's power five. You need to make the money somehow, but that's a, a team, Nebraska. You saw the week one loss. You saw all the close games they, lo- they lost last season. You're going to think as a North Dakota player, man, this is a team that we can go to Memorial Stadium and we can get. They're going to come out on fire early if, if I had to guess because they're going to see this and go, wow. I think we can get this. And, I mean, as a Nebraska fan, you're sitting here going, I'm a little bit worried about the North Dakotas and the Georgia Southerns of the world. So maybe North Dakota has a point. But uh, expect that if you're Nebraska. They're going to come out fired up. They're going to come out uh, looking to make this thing a physical, rough football game and uh, and come in and try to surprise you. But Nebraska needs to weather that storm early. I think they need to get a big play to get, to get Memorial Stadium juiced up early as well um, because the mood around Husker Nation right now isn't – well, uh, Nebraska's going to go and put on a show in Memorial Stadium. It's, well, at least we can get down to Memorial Stadium and watch a game. The, 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 the energy's been taken out of Husker Nation surrounding the Husker football team this season. So uh, you need to get some energy back in the stadium early because if North Dakota does get some momentum early in this game and the juice is taken out of Memorial Stadium, there's going to be warning bells firing for the Husker football team. You know, and Connor, let's get a thought here. As a current student, a lot of eggs were put in that Northwestern basket. Uh, yet again, uh, right there, couldn't finish. Now Nebraska's got to got to recreate some momentum. That's going to be ultra key. But there is minimal juice for this thing. There's little buzz, and as a student, you're going to go, I think, because you well, you you feel like going. It's going to be pretty uh, comfortable to go weather wise, and it's the home opener. But for a buy-in standpoint it just you continue to lose that that currency with this football team yeah and that's kind of the disappointing thing about it because as a student I think a lot of people were just looking straight ahead to Oklahoma and what could be if both teams are undefeated going to that game now obviously that's not the reality that we're dealt with but as a student but also looking at it as an analyst kind of you realize that, okay, this Week 0 game obviously wasn't as bad as the Illinois last, loss last year, 
and you saw what the team could do to respond. Now, granted, it didn't translate into wins very often, but they were in every single ball game. So if they can bounce back in a convincing manner this week, and I think a big thing for them is going to be establishing the run game early and often. We'll get more into that. But if they can do that against the North Dakota team, as Eliza mentioned, is going to be juiced up for this game because they don't get to play in venues like Memorial Stadium very often. So this is a rare opportunity for them. You know they're going to be ready for it. It's their first game of the year as well. So there's going to be a lot of excitement in that locker room. So the Huskers have to come out fast. They have to come out physical. And I think they really need to control that line of scrimmage in this game just for a momentum standpoint as well because we saw how much they struggled with that in Ireland a week ago. And I think Fair part point. of that is going to be huge is, is going to be that aspect of, uh, as I mentioned, m- making a big play early, whether it's a, a big stop on third down, a big play on special teams, getting a long touchdown, something to get Memorial Stadium into this game and make North Dakota realize that they, they don't deserve to be on the same field as Nebraska. Kind of put that self-doubt in the first game of the season when, I mean, North Dakota, they don't know all that much about themselves either. I mean, uh, we talked about that last week with Nebraska and Northwestern that in a week one game, you kind of have an idea of what your team is, but you don't have a great idea. So if you can go get that self-doubt within that North Dakota team and on that North Dakota sideline early, it's going to make your job a lot easier as a Husker football player once the second, third, and fourth quarter rolls around whenever this North Dakota team um, maybe is mentally defeated a little bit with that that Memorial Stadium crowd behind the Huskers and with them being behind in the score. That's going to be huge early for Nebraska. Email in from Shane out of Columbus when it came to predicting the, the Big Ten. And you have some thoughts after game one from Shane. You know, he, he listed some positives. You can send an email as well, Chris at HaleVarsity.com. You have uh, Casey Thompson, the receivers have the opportunity to be real good. We'll get into Travis Vocalex future due to injury in a moment, but that was really nice. Uh, he's that third down go-to, and uh, the punting and extra points, <laughs> uh, automatic. Uh, Bushini, Bushini was was fantastic. Negatives, of course, uh, no push on the offensive line, uh, no stopping or getting after the quarterback. You have uh, the defense allowing 520, and then some of the confusion slash commentary. And Shane's right now going into the rest of this season after Northwestern, a lot like many Nebraska fans, how that that confidence has shifted, that outlook has shifted, and we talked about it leading up. I mean, you have some Nebraska fans that are, are worried about a Northern Illinois repeat, a Troy situation tomorrow because of, of what happened with your opener. And, and that's all right. Uh, when it comes to coaching, uh, you had a list put out by Fox a couple of weeks ago before the season got started with the Big Ten coach rankings. And Shane referenced this in his emails. He, e- email. He had Nebraska at seven and five before. He has Nebraska down to uh, three and nine or four and eight. Uh, North Dakota's a win. Georgia Southern's a win. Indiana's a win. But it, it has shifted. Shane in Columbus is feeling a little. Uh, uncertain uh, the best way to put it about Nebraska moving forward. I, I will go this far uh, and tomorrow, tomorrow will tell me a lot about Nebraska's line of scrimmage. Are they able to beat up someone they're supposed to beat up or do they, does this fight go too long? (laughs) And if, if they're unable to do it, I'm already 
concerned about the offensive and defensive line. I think they'll get better. But what can they be, Elijah? And tomorrow tells me that, okay, you have you have it in you to be dominant. And, and right now that's a question mark. Well, yeah, the uh, the aspect of that 4-8, and 3-9 and nine comment from Shane, I mean, I'm kind of with him. What I saw last Saturday did look like a 4-8 and eight football team, and I say that because it looked like the same old story as the last couple of years, and what those teams have been have been 4-8, and 3-9, and nine, and I guess the COVID years, 3-5, and five, but you kind of throw that one out. It, it had the same issues where you were struggling in crunch time. Uh, you were turning the ball over at inopportune times. Uh, there was wacky, almost boneheaded coaching decisions, and, and all those things put together make you think, this is a 4-8 and eight football team, and the only way to kick that is to get some momentum going through these next couple weeks. Um, neither of these teams are teams that I think you need to sleep on as a Husker football team. Uh, I was on the uh, the morning hookup a couple weeks ago, and uh, Dr. Dane Todd was sitting in studio with us and talking about a, a Nichols State game that they had under Bill Callahan where they showed up on Saturday and nothing that they had repped in practice was what Nichols State was doing in the game. And Bill Callahan hopped in the, the post-game uh, locker room and uh, said, hey, guys, um, that was probably a little bit weird for you, but everything we repped this week was for Oklahoma next week. Uh, you guys did what you were supposed to do and beat Nichols State. Um, and Nebraska's not in a place where they can afford to do that right now. You know that they were repping things that they're expecting from North Dakota this week. And it, it's because while you're expected to beat this team, it's not a team that you're good enough to sleep on just yet. So uh, I'm kind of with you. It's all about building momentum and, and fixing those, those issues that you saw last week. That's Elijah Herbal. He is at the single barrel down in uh, downtown Lincoln as inside the graduate Connor Clark back at our ESPN studios, Chris Schmidt, the uh, COVID bunker is our dear friend, Nick Handley has titled it uh, email in from Greg, Greg, uh, big time, Nebraska fan. It's year five, still dumb things. Plus the zero O line improvement. These next two games do nothing as Nebraska needs to be able to compete in the big 10. I don't see it. See, Greg, I, I get the take. I disagree. There is some, some some things you can take from some substance you'll be able to take from the North Dakota. There is some substance you'll be able to take from uh, Georgia South. Is that right? I don't even know the team's name. I feel it's embarrassed. Georgia Southern. Southern. Okay. I always want to call him Georgia State, but it's Georgia Southern. Uh, I, I know Helton's the coach down there. Give me a little partial credit on my math work there. So I'm um, – no, I can I can see and, and take a lot. Nebraska is going to have to find uh, Palmer was the early go to Nebraska. No doubt will probably look at, at Palmer again tomorrow, but they're going to need to find a, a, another go to at tight end because I don't think you're going to see Travis Vokalek. It may be Oklahoma. It may be after Oklahoma. That's one position that needs to uh, step up. And, and Borkature, I think, is has got talent. I think some of the young, other younger guys, um, the kid out of Norris and, and also Rollins. So Nebraska has some tight ends. And I think one of your best position group coaches is Becton. So we'll see where they go. That Tomorrow's a chance for those younger and other tight ends to step up. Linebackers, Nick Henrich, uh, he got dinged. And you're going to be going with uh, some real, real youth, Elijah and Connor, at that inside spot. 
And, and to marry those last two thoughts that we've had together in terms of uh, why this game is important for the Husker football team, there's self-doubt within these positions. Guys like Borkutcher that stepped in last week and were put in a tough spot, they didn't make the plays I'm sure they wanted to play. Guys like Ernest Hausman, and that self-doubt can creep in saying, well, maybe I'm not good enough for this level. You look at the offensive line, and that self-doubt can creep in whenever you didn't get the job done against a team that everyone was expecting you to go out and get the job done against. So it's all about starting to eliminate that self-doubt, and you can't fully do that until you, you do play a team that uh, you know is a little more on your level, like an Oklahoma or, or a Big Ten foe, but you can start getting that, that self-doubt, which is in the back of your mind, out of the way uh, and start building confidence for, for the future of this season, and that's why I think this game does have some importance. Elijah Herbal, he's live in the single barrel. Chris Schmidt, Connor Clark will check in with Jacob Padilla. He is live, he being Elijah, at the single barrel. Uh, go see him, stop on by. Uh, Jacob Padilla talks Nebraska football, volleyball with us next on Hale Varsity Radio. There's nothing better than enjoying some sun with a drink and hot dog in hand, taking in America's pastime. Whether you're here for the baseball or the entertainment that comes with it, Werner Park is the place to be. The Omaha Storm Chasers have a handful of home games remaining, so get your tickets before it's too late. Give yourself something to look forward to as the summer winds down. Don't miss this opportunity to make lifelong memories with family and friends. And we're back. Fellas, think we could... Listen to the radio on Hale Varsity Radio. Yes, that's awesome. Back with you, it's Hale Varsity, presented by your friends at Currency. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, on site at the Single Barrel. Connor Clark in studio. We welcome in a uh, longtime writer with HaleVarsity.com and magazine, Jacob Padilla. Jacob, how's the week been? Uh, good to see you. You're in the captain's chair yet again. What do you know? Uh, just uh, certainly an interesting week coming out of a uh, first game of the year for Nebraska football. There's always some storylines to kind of tide you over through the week there, but able to cover some volleyball last night and uh, going to check out some high school football tonight before we head uh, into another football Saturday here here in Nebraska. We will get your take on volleyball and some and some prep action in a moment. But what what's been the biggest takeaway? for you this week with Nebraska as they gear up from North Dakota. What's, what's your expectation tomorrow? <laughs> I, I never know what to expect when you go into one of these uh, FCS games, except for a win. And hopefully you get a chance to get a lot of players uh, out there and maybe get some younger guys chances to, to show what they can do. Um, that's, I think always needs to be the goal when you, you head into a matchup like this, like that's why you play these games. Uh, in addition to just kind of filling out the schedule. But um, coming off of week one, it's harder to kind of look at it that way because there's still so many things that they need to fix based on what they showed us in week one, where a, a lot of the concerns that we had coming into the year were definitely there, and there were some other ones that popped up in addition to that as opposed to them answering. I think, I think we had more questions pop up than we had questions answered in that first week. So... I guess this week is taking a step forward. Quick update here from the single barrel. Looking outside, we have three team buses for North Dakota, which have arrived. So uh, n- not sure about getting a player on for the uh, for the broadcast today, Schmitty. I can, I can try, but the, the North Dakota team has arrived in Lincoln. They are here. There is going to be a game tomorrow. They've got some so, Nebraskans on that roster. 
They do. Uh, are we hockey gear or football uh, is, is the question. But you, you mentioned, Jacob, some of the concerns. And I think tomorrow can say some positive things to me with the offensive and defensive line if I'm Nebraska. You're going to need to see pass rush. And you're, need to, you're going to need to see run game, right? The offensive line needs to, to be able to, to, to do their job running the football, and maybe that involves quarterback run. I think that's a point of contention with Whipple or Frost. I think Frost wants more quarterback run. I don't know that it's not that Whipple's anti-quarterback run, but he's also not real wild about getting Casey Thompson smoked. So uh, offensive line, uh, Give me a thought with uh, with with where they can go, or are they just going to be a, an offensive line as the year moves on? That's that's better at keeping a quarterback cleaner than last year in the pocket. Do you think they have it in them to be a better run run offense? Well, um, that I don't know, and I don't think we're going to learn that this week. Uh, that again, that's the problem when you play an SCS team. I think the only things you can truly learn are bad things. Like it's hard to know what kind of success translates to playing against big 10 teams. Whereas like this is a game where you should at every position, you should be bigger, stronger, and more athletic. That's just the case of FBS and power five against an SES team. So um, they could go out there and dominate and run for 200 yards, uh, five a pop. And still that doesn't necessarily mean that they fixed everything. So that's the, the tough part about a week like this. And again, so early in the season where now we have all these questions to answer coming out of the week zero game. And it, we're going to have to wait a while before we can really get those answered um, earnestly, I think. But um, I, I think the, the pass protection is a little bit better um, in, in some stretches. I think Teddy Prohaska is obviously working his way back from the injury. He didn't have a great game. And I don't think anybody expected him to, to, instantly step in there and um, kind of be just fine. Like there's going to be some rust there, especially for a guy who only played a couple of games uh, before the injury. So it's not like this is a, uh, a veteran here that has three years starting experience under his belt coming back from an injury. Like he's still learning in addition to uh, rehabbing and getting back to, to full strength. So um, I, I think that's one, that's a spot that'll get better throughout the season. We'll see kind of, how the reconfiguration line, I thought Bryce Benhart had a better game than maybe we saw from him most of last season. Um, so that, I mean, that was one of the questions on that line. We'll see about the interior guys. I know they rotated a couple guys in there at that right guard spot. So I don't necessarily know that they're a hundred percent set there um, in terms of, all right, who, who are our best five. Um, they, they did some interesting things where they kind of used the unbalanced line uh, on, on some snaps where they moved one tackle over to the other side. I don't necessarily know that it produced results. Um, I just found it interesting when I was kind of going back over my watchery. So it seems like they're trying some different things. Obviously, in the goal line, they put in some extra linemen, including Ethan Piper at fullback for a couple of snaps there um, at the goal line. So it's seven linemen out there. Um, but, yeah, that's. I think that was one of the, the problems. Like, how quickly... I, I think a lot of people like the, the staff moves that they made and the new guys they brought in, but you're still playing with, you're still using a lot of the same players that they struggled with last year. And it's one off season under these new guys. So how much difference can you expect from year one or from last year to early this year? And I, I think there's still 
trying to, to figure what they have and figure out how to kind of develop guys and maybe fix some, some past bad habits or just figure out, all right, what's the best way to, to use your talent, use your ability. And so um, that offensive line, I think, is going to continue to be a question here throughout the first half of the, the season. And if we still have questions by that point, then uh, I think we know the answer, actually. Jacob Badillo is with us here on a Friday Roadshow edition of Hale Varsity Radio. We're live at the Single Barrel. And, Jacob, I want to move to the defensive side of the ball here and talk about one of the big concerns coming out of Northwestern, which was the pass rush. And uh, in terms of luxury versus necessity, I think we know getting into Big Ten play that that pass rush is going to be a necessity if you want to be able to keep yourself in football games against uh, some of the higher-level Big Ten teams. But against a team like North Dakota, where do you stand in terms of the pass rush tomorrow? Is it more of a luxury is it more of a necessity? Yeah, it'll be interesting to see kind of how this defense develops. Um, in week one, like I'm not, I'm not a guy that can evaluate the finer points of pass rush technique and schemes and all that type of stuff. But for, from what I noticed when I was watching rewatch, they didn't get real aggressive. They didn't get real creative. It was just a lot of four man rushing and kind of essentially running into the guy in front of you. And um, I didn't see a whole lot of stunning. I didn't see a whole lot of blitzing. I didn't see a whole lot of really like advanced pass rush moves. Even it was just kind of all right. We're running in this guy and trying to get back to him. That's uh, that combined with the, the quick passing game. I think that's kind of a struggle there, where you give up cushions and then don't send extra uh, rushers that can get there quickly. Then that's the, the recipe for a team moving the ball quickly through the pass game, um, and you never really get a chance to get that pass rush going. Um, so I, I don't necessarily know that he's going to get uh, that Jeanette is going to get super creative this week because um, you don't want to throw out your best patch schemes against an FCS team in week two. But I think you do need to see more from, from Garrett Nelson, more from Oshan Mathis, more from Caleb Tanner. And Tanner's a, like they're kind of he's dropping back in some coverage. Some they're keep, kind of using him more as a true outside linebacker where he does a little bit of everything, whereas Nelson uh, is kind of more in the line, and then Mathis is kind of in between. Um, so I, I think they're going to have to show a little bit more than they did last week to, to feel better about where they are moving forward. But part of the problem is, too, you need to kind of free those guys up to get better one-on-ones, get more space to work with. Um, you're going to need more from that interior line to, to kind of allow those guys to get going as well. Jacob Adil is with us here on Hale Varsity Radio, and Jacob – the offense had its moments uh, last Saturday in good ways and in bad ways. But when it comes to the running game, to you, what is kind of the benchmark yardage that Nebraska should be going for on the ground? And if they do hit it, say, not only in this game, but the next two games, how much momentum does that carry over into Oklahoma week for this offense? Yeah, that, that's a tough part because I don't know. We still don't know yet exactly what uh, Mark Ruffle wants to do with this team. We know, like, the, the pass offense is going to drive this thing. Like he's going to be more pass heavy than run heavy. Um, we know the head coach wants them to, to, to have success on the ground. Um, he's a, a run first type of guy. Um, and I mean, just the, the post game comments and uh, talk over the last week show, they're still kind of figuring that out. Um, there's some, I mean, you, you talk about the more creativity in the run game comments and um, that, that type of thing. I, I liked what I saw some from uh, Anthony Grant. I, he also left some plays out there on the field. 
Um, and then the other guys just, I mean, Jockey Ant never, never really had a chance. And I think he probably missed a hole here too, but then there weren't a whole lot of, a uh, whole lot of holes to run through either for him. And kind of same thing with AJ Allen, the true freshman who kind of jumped a couple guys uh, on the depth chart, apparently at the urging of the offensive coordinator who wanted to see what he could do um, is what we heard this week. So that'll be interesting to kind of see how that running back room, that hierarchy continues to, to play out. They still got them all listed as oars on the depth chart, uh, even though Grant was clearly the number one guy in the first week. Um, but I mean, you, you got to, I mean, 200 yards in this game, probably something like that. I think it's more you got to average at least five yards a carry against this team. I think that's what you want to hit more so than the totals. Um, we know they're going to pass more. They have to be more effective in the runs um, more so than a number that I, that like I have in mind, like, all right, we got to run it 40 times in this game. We got to run it 50 times because we can overpower these guys. Like they still need to work on finding the rhythm and establishing their offense that they want to use. Um, down the line like they're still in the install kind of figuring things out process so they, they need to have more success need to be more efficient um with that that running game but i don't necessarily know that hey we need to run for 300 yards to call that a success in, in this game in particular jacob we've got about 60 seconds bud real quick uh who are you highlighting on the gridiron tonight with prep football I will be heading out to Elkhorn to watch uh, Elkhorn South take on Millard South. Uh, I saw a little bit of Elkhorn South last week down at Seacrest. I uh, was, was only able to say for about a quarter and a half of that. So I'm looking forward to seeing a full game of them. Uh, new quarterback, Carson Rahner, and obviously Maverick Noonan doing big things off the edge. And Millard South is uh, Cam Kozil, um, Vanderbilt baseball commander, is off doing baseball things after throwing for 300 yards last week. So. They're going to have to find a way to uh, kind of move on without him after a big week in one, week one against Millard West. So looking forward to seeing kind of what their solution is to that and how they find ways to move the ball tonight. Jacob Badilla with us, HaleVarsity.com and Magazine. Jacob, thanks for the time today. Appreciate you jumping on. All right. No problem. There he is. Uh, Elijah Herbal's at the single barrel. We roll forward uh, as uh, hour one. Um, working our way that way with Hale Varsity, presented by Currency. Like what you hear? High quality radio and podcasts are just part of what we do at Hale Varsity. I'm Brandon Vogel, Managing Editor. I wanted to offer listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you can get everything we do, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe, promo code GBR. And now, and now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Thanks for hanging out. Roadshow Friday with Hale Varsity Radio at the Single Barrel in Lincoln. Don't forget uh, those road football Fridays, Hale Varsity Radio going to be at the Hale Varsity Club up in La Vista spot you got to check out before uh, you head off to high school football and for sure for Husker game days numbers to get in 466-3776-800-825-5865 a slew of email to get into 
Hail Varsity Radio presented to you by your friends at Currency. Yeah, now a quick scouting report as uh, the North Dakota football team walks behind me. Uh, I've seen one mustache so far, one mohawk, um, some uh, long-haired dreads that look like along with that, that guy with the mustache. And uh, the scouting report, as deep as it goes with me here today, is hairstyles and outfits. But uh, some mean-looking hairstyles and outfits, if I do say so Come myself. Come on, man. <laughs> you can fit right in before you shaved. Yeah, you did. <laughs> Throwing a North Dakota polo and I'm in there. So, okay, um, we will get to the college football playoff expansion in a moment. More emails to get to, but Connor, did did you see this coming? Uh, I did not. I've been out for two days with the vid, and, and Elijah comes back all, all baby-faced again. What the hell, man? It's been a lot of change around here, but I, when, I, <laughs> when I heard about the uh... – when I heard about the meeting that they were going to revisit the expansion, I thought there may have been a chance that they actually do it this time because they've met about it before. And 12 teams, 8 teams, those were kind of the numbers that were being thrown around. But I'm, I, won't, I won't say I'm shocked, but I'm surprised it happened this soon. I'm also surprised that they didn't <laughs> delay it again. So uh, a new 12-team playoff, honestly, I'm here for it. I think it could be pretty interesting, especially... Uh, if they have schools host, I don't know the details of it just yet, but um, I'm not going to say I'm shocked, but I am surprised. And one thing well, I'll add to this here, Schmidty, not to jump ahead of you, but it's something I mentioned on the show yesterday whenever we knew uh, this was a potential for this college football playoff expansion is what it does to the regular season of college football. It used to uh, make some of these games so much fun. We got a, a top five team and it's a one score game against an unranked opponent. And you know, if they slip up here, if they lose this game, their national title hopes are out the window. That's what's made college football uh, the regular season so exciting over the past couple of years. I mean, really, as long as I've been alive, just that, that knowing the pressure, if you you slip up, your season could end today, and that kind of goes out the window with the 12-team playoff. I mean, if you have one slip-up in your season, you're an 11-1 and football team, and uh, one bad slip-up doesn't mean all that much. You're still good enough with an 11-1 and record and a good conference to make it into the college football playoff, but that's minor, I think, in terms of uh, what excitement it's going to bring come January whenever you have 12 teams going at it for a national title game. I, I think that is going to be so much more exciting than the current system that you're going to kind of forget about how much it takes away from the regular season. So what we have is this, the College Football Playoff Board of Managers unanimously voted Friday to expand the playoff to 12 teams in 2026. Could happen as soon as 2024. That's the specifics. The board's 11 presidents and chancellors approved the original 12-team model. That includes six the, the six highest-ranked conference champions and six at-large teams the board announced this is a pretty historic and an exciting day. That's the word from Mark Keenum, president of Mississippi State, chairman of the CFP Board of Managers. So here's what I'm wondering. Are you going to be able to get your two teams in from the Big Ten? Are you going to be able to get your Ohio State and your runner-up? Are you going to be able to get Ohio State, Michigan, or – if there's a year that warrants a Wisconsin uh, someday, Nebraska fans on their knees praying for someday Nebraska's back in this discussion. You have Penn state, right? Sparty was really good in top 10 last year. You had Iowa uh, not that long ago as well uh, that were knocking on the playoff door against Michigan state. So you have your candidates 
on top of your new additions that are coming. And that's USC and UCLA. And USC is supposed to be a playoff discussion point. Uh, Washington's been having a few overtures with the Big Ten this week, Oregon last week. So there's more options. It's about loading up to be able to get a fourth of the playoff covered from your conference with at-larges. And what's going to happen with the the SEC? I mean, it's going to be both the Big Ten and the SEC trying to get every at-large squad in. Uh, and too bad, so sad, if you're the ACC or what's left of the Big 12 or Pac-12. Uh, that's that's the setup right here. I, I, I hope the criteria is pretty good because it is a gauntlet, fellas, to get through the Big Ten, and it's a gauntlet to get through the SEC. And if you're Clemson, not so much. Don't screw up against uh, Pitt. If you're uh, Clemson, don't screw up in your non-conference game. Same with the the, the Pac-12 right now or the Big 12. If you're Iowa State or BYU or Central Florida, I mean, go down the list, all records are not created equal. And if you're an eight and four team limping in, you need consideration out of the Big 10 or the SEC, in my humble opinion, over someone who won a Pac-12 or a Big 12 over somebody that doesn't have USC, UCLA, Oklahoma, or Texas in it. So that'll be fascinating to see. Just because they expanded doesn't mean you're not going to get the same four teams uh, at the end of the day. But I think what it does mean is that, as I said, you I mean you said if you're Clemson, you can't slip up against Pitt, but you're not going to keep an 11 and one Clemson team out of the college football playoff. It's as simple as that, and I think it, it kind of lowers that criteria where you know 11 and one is probably going to be good enough in one of these major conferences, Big 12, Big 10, SEC, Pac-12. If you're 11-1, and one, it's probably going to be good enough to get you into the college football playoff. And that's what I was talking about with, with the regular season being diluted just a little bit where that's what made college football fun. The one slip-up could end your hopes at a national title, and now that's not going to be the case. Well, you could even go as far as, depending on how good your conference is, maybe even 10-2. and two. Now, I know that's kind of yeah. pushing it a little yeah. bit, but 10-2 and two could very well be a possibility for one of these 12 teams which makes things a little interesting, and I understand your point, Elijah, about one slip-up and your season is essentially over, but I kind of like giving more teams at least a shot to see what they can do because you slip up one time, 11-1, and one, that's still a pretty damn good record, so I think you should oh, yeah. still have a shot with that, but that's just my take on it. I don't totally disagree with you. If you do lose one time, the stakes are high. The stakes are still going to continue to be high, just not as they once were with a 14 playoff. And in, in the, in the say, long run, see this from a seeding standpoint, I have no problem with a 10 and 2 Clemson if they're still in the ACC getting in. But they shouldn't be seeded higher than, say, a, a, a 10 and 3 Michigan State. If we look at strength of schedule, I don't want I don't I don't want that ignored if I'm if I'm a college football fan. And I'll just add, in the long run, I think it's more important for the long-term health of college football and success of college football to have a more important college football playoff. We've seen the issues with four team, and I think if the one detractor is that your regular season becomes a little bit less exciting, it's not going to matter in the grand scheme of things because a regular season Big 12 game is not where you make your money. It's having uh, all these games now as a college football playoff that everyone's going to be tuning into and watching. That's where the money is going to be made, and that's where the long-term health and stability of college football is at. So while I I can groan about the the loss of the the regular season excitement, it's going to 
add that postseason excitement. And I mean, you see it in the NFL. That's where the money is, postseason excitement. And it's the same case in college football where postseason excitement is what it's going to pay the bills. Maybe not even a few years down the road for the NCAA, but just for college football as a whole. Elijah's at the single barrel. Chris Schmidt and Connor Clark, Hale Varsity, winding down hour one. He's live at the single barrel on a football Friday. And now, and now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. One final time, Hale Varsity Radio, hour one. Elijah Herbal at the single barrel, home football Fridays, your roadshow headquarters, Hale Varsity Radio. And we are presented by your friends at Currency for all your equipment financing needs. Go Currency. And uh, buckle up. A lot of you are making the roadie east, west, north, and south to Memorial Stadium for the home opener, Nebraska, North Dakota. Buckle up. Using your seatbelt saves lives, prevents injuries only if it's properly worn. Buckle up. A message from the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. Elijah, you've got a loyal listener on site in uh, Ryan that's firing up at old fashioned you've got over 200 whiskeys to choose from really right behind your right shoulder if you did not know that is the uh, the the secret whiskey place not secret i mean you, you walk in off the street here inside uh, the single barrel that's located in the graduate hotel you'll see it uh yeah you walk in there's all those whiskeys elijah is technically guarding dare i say <laughs> the the whiskey room at the single barrel well, it's got a big old lock on it, and uh, I, I unfortunately did not bring my lock picking set, nor did I take lock picking classes at uh, SEC. I don't even know if they offer them, but I was looking into that. I haven't been able to pick the lock just yet. I'll work on it during the next break. But uh, as you said, Ryan checking in from Norfolk made the drive over here, and uh, he's also got his buddy oh, wow. Kale coming up from Scottsdale. And Chris, I, I got to pose the question to you. I wasn't quite sure what Ryan meant when he said he's got some seasoning coming your way for the Oklahoma game. Is that? Is that a drug reference? Is that an innuendo? What's he got coming your way? Wow. No. It's, <laughs> just went it's there. seasoning. We, we, yeah, he did go there, Connor. When you think of me and seasoning, what do you think of? You think of me firing up the grill. That's, that's fair. Okay. That's fair. Normal yeah, game day activities. Yes, not, not illicit illegal activity. So the seasoning is, is going to be uh, out of my, my mom and I shouldn't say my mom, but my dad's family the the schmitz are all from norfolk so ryan had a connection and i'm all excited that to get a little norfolk hookup so that's really cool uh bill dolman is is ready willing and able to talk big red football the pride of fairberry is he's pacing around like a caged lion in his office uh the pride of fairberry nbc sports is is already the talk week week zero and and look ahead to week one. Plenty of emails to get into today, and we may carry some of those over tomorrow because we're back at the single barrel for for Friday. We Elijah <laughs> is I'm quarantined till uh, Monday, but uh, roadshow tailgate party uh, at the single barrel eleven thirty to one thirty as we get you ready for Nebraska, North Dakota locally uh, in Lincoln is uh, we'll be we'll be airing that but no fired up good discussion this first hour about the, the college football playoff expansion and of course uh, the to-do list for nebraska when it comes to turning the page 
they uh, they are the bigger, better, better football team. So it's time to 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 do that to to present that. And you've seen enough Big Ten football right now. You've seen Northwestern. You have a an idea what their win total could be. First impression. You've seen Purdue, and you've seen Penn State, and then you can look at Nebraska and go, all right, Nebraska is not deficient everywhere where they could be in a lot of those games. But, man, where Nebraska needs to step up this week is really scary when you see other big teams, uh, Big Ten teams. Hour two on the way, Bill Dolman and the Friday forecast with Klaus Burn at Hale Varsity on the road. Each year, approximately 5,000 children are diagnosed with brain cancer. Of those children, nearly 30% will not survive, and many of those that do are left with debilitating side effects for life. We're asking you to help by tuning in to the 10th Annual Team Jack Foundation Radiothon presented by the Home Agency on September 29th. Become a champion for a cure for just $20 a month. Visit teamjackfoundation.org to learn more. Thank you for helping us fight for a cure. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Back with you, Tower 2 at Tail Varsity Radio. Roadshow Friday, single barrel is where Elijah is located. Connor Clark back at our ESPN studios, streaming live on ESPN Lincoln's Facebook, ESPN Lincoln's Twitter. And uh, we are presented by Currency for all your equipment financing needs. Go Currency. We say hi to the pride of Fairbury. NBC Sports is Bill Dolman. Bill, how we doing? Uh, a lot to get into with you this week. And, um, hey, pretty exciting. It's a home opener tomorrow. Nebraska gets to, to be back in front of the Sea Red. Uh, a lot of the same Sea Red that was over in Ireland. Good to see you. Good to see you as well. But it should be noted that uh, nobody is probably more relieved this week than Connor Clark as he wanders the halls of the Journalism College at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. And seeing my office there, realizing, thank God I don't have to take that guy's class. Do I have to call you <laughs> professor now? Is that how this is going to work, or is it just Bill still? Here's the, deal, here's the deal, bro. If you make me angry, I will give you a stern sports media lecture. Well, I'll try I... not to. I'll try my best. <laughs> yeah, uh, we've kind of gone from NBC Sports to the University of Nebraska's uh lecturing at the university for the uh, for the time being so good to be back home good to be back home yeah well it's good to to have you back home i am back home but i'm exiled into the covid dungeon yeah stay there yeah i I will i will not i will wave it all all, you know i was gonna wear a mask but then you might freak out on me so it's all good uh well in in terms of a a dungeon you can have in your basement i think a covid dungeon is preferable to some other options that are more in the, the 50 shades of gray strain you know Sure, no, fair <laughs> to say, uh, unless, unless you're into that, then we aren't going to judge anybody. Uh, <laughs> Bill, let's, let's get a thought here. It's been a while since we talked. All right, have you uh, been able to sift through Ireland and uh, come to some sort of, well, this is going to be a long year, or you know what, let's see how it shakes out. Not necessarily that North Dakota and 
Georgia Southern can can say much, but it's it's more live game action as you lead up to Oklahoma. How are you ballparking last weekend into this weekend? Let me give you my uh, dead on balls accurate assessment. There were some positives and there were some negatives. How's that for you? True. And what you know, what's the scale look like? Uh, it's got to be well, negative I, because well, of the outcome. Yeah, exactly. And I flunked most of my students who went over there and did not come back with a win. So they've got a lot of work to do the rest of the semester. But, you know, it, yeah, it's, it's a total negative because, because you lost the game. And it's a game that Nebraska, you know, quite frankly, should have won. But that was a game that people don't want to talk about going in all the time. But you know, that, was a, that was a game that was decided by line play. You know, uh, people who know football, love football, students of football will always tell you whatever happens at the line of scrimmage is going to have a, go a long way in determining what's going to happen in the game. And that was a perfect definition of it. You can look at the onside kick as being misguided. But if you take another look at the alignment on that kickoff, Northwestern had three players lined up in the front line and then four others back five yards. So the front line was certainly in Nebraska's favor. What, five or five to one? And it just so happens that the ball gets kicked right to a guy. Um, you know, the, the fumble that was called uh, with, you know, what was it? Is it Garcia Castaneda? Yep. You know, that, that to me was a, a huge call that Big went time. against Nebraska. And it was almost as though the officials made that call and had it in their minds that that's what the call was. It didn't even appear as though they were going to review it. And then when they said, oh, yeah, I guess we're going to review it, they just gave it this courtesy review and said, yeah, it's exactly what we thought. We'll just say that it stands, but it's Northwestern ball. And I think that the only people who didn't think in review that that was a fumble were the guys who made the call. I mean, everybody thought that was it should have been reversed. That was a huge play in the game. But that's been kind of forgotten about, which is somewhat amazing to me. But, you know, the season opening drive with, with Casey Thompson, the way he looked, and, and Bocalek was such a key factor in the, in the first half. And, you know, I thought they ran the ball pretty well with Grant. And I think there were a lot of positives. But, in the, but the thing that is most glaring is just the way Nebraska got dominated on both the offensive and defensive lines and how worn out they were, you know, by the time the second quarter ended. By the time the third quarter ended, and certainly by the time we got to midway in the fourth quarter, to me, that was the biggest difference is that even though Northwestern had a very good offensive line, certainly underappreciated, um, Nebraska should have been able to withstand that better than it did. And maybe it was just there was a sense of inevitability uh, that also played a role in the second half of the fourth quarter. But that that to me is just the most unacceptable thing. But there were positives in the way they played. No penalties other than the one. I, you know, I, I, it's disappointing with the outcome because that is a game Nebraska should have won. Bill Dolman is with us here on a Friday Roadshow edition of Hale Varsity Radio. Come see us at the Single Barrel underneath the Graduate in downtown Lincoln. Great whiskey selection. I'm seeing some uh, North Dakota fans in front of me having some steaks, and those look amazing. I'm uh, licking my chops. I haven't eaten since like 10 o'clock this morning, and I'm, I'm going to power through the last hour of this show. But uh, happy to have Bill <laughs> Dolman here on a Friday edition of the show. And, Bill, I, I want to look at that front seven a little bit more in depth because we talked with Jeremiah Searles in the show yesterday, and he said 
what was concerning to him about the offense line was the fact that they were messing up some of the fundamentals, but he, he does think that those can be fixable over the next couple of weeks. As for the, the defensive front seven, I was worried by just how, as you said, a, a Northwestern offensive line that you don't expect to be one of the best offensive lines in the conference this season ended up manhandling this front seven. I think we may have discounted a little bit uh, how Nebraska lost some guys uh, last season along that defensive front. Ben Stilley, Damian Daniels, I think of, that really were great at plugging up the run. And uh, the likes of Stephon Wynn and, and Colton Feast didn't step up to that task last weekend. So in terms of this North Dakota team coming to town, I mean, you're expecting that your defensive line should be uh, more athletic, more physical than North Dakota, but you don't know that for sure. Do you, you think we can read anything into how this front seven plays against North Dakota in terms of progress throughout the rest of the season? You know, some of the, you, you mentioned the offensive line and things that could be corrected in the coming weeks that should have been fundamentally mm. done mm. in the leading into the opening game. I mean, if you're working on fundamentals in week two and three, uh, you know, that's, that's tough, you know, but defensively where Nebraska should, gosh, don't you hate to say this, should have the advantage over North Dakota is just in the athletes and the bodies. I mean, this isn't, this is an FCS program in the Mo Valley. It's not even in the big sky anymore. You know, they were five and six a year ago. You expect to have some big old, you know, North Dakota farm boys and Minnesota guys and, you know, guys who wear T-shirts when it's 32 below. Um, so that you expect them to be kind of tough, but gee, many Christmas. <laughs> you ought to have the depth to match up and wear down that offensive line. They may want to shorten the game, but, you know, if they're going to shorten the game with a ground game, that's going to wear them down. They may, you know, play a short passing game similar to what Northwestern did in the first half and really throughout much of the game, like, Holinsky was, what, 23 of 23, something like that in the first half. But that defensive line, this just has to be a total pride check. You know, the, the, if you look at that one picture that made the rounds for the past week and certainly the 48 hours after the Northwestern game, and everybody can, even though we're on radio and on Facebook and whatnot, people can still picture that off that huge hole that you've got a Nebraska player on the left side of the frame and a guy on the right side of the frame and nothing but green grass and purple in the middle. That should have been you know, up in Memorial Stadium on the big screen board all week for practice. That just cannot happen if you have the athletes, you have the pride, and you have the conditioning. And that's got to be on display regardless if you're playing North Dakota or Notre Dame on Saturday. Bill Dolman's with us on Hale Varsity Radio. And Bill asked a similar question to Jacob Padilla, who was on the show earlier. And he said about five to five and a half yards per carry would be a good benchmark for Nebraska to hit this weekend. Total yardage or yards per carry, what do you think that Nebraska needs to do with the ground game this week? Because we know the offensive line struggled uh, in week zero against Northwestern. How many yards do you think is the benchmark for this Nebraska team to feel confident going forward? But you still had a 100-yard rusher. You know, how many times have we talked about Nebraska having a 100-yard rusher over the last several seasons? It has not happened all that often. You've got guys who are leading the ground game with 54 yards or 64 yards. Anthony Grant looked pretty good. He may not have had huge holes, especially in that second half, other than the big wrong for the touchdown, which has been forgotten because of what happened after that. But you still had a 100-yard rusher. So if, if your offensive line is maybe questioning itself a little bit this week, you can still say, guys, we had a guy top the century mark, and that's a, that should be a pretty big deal. And who knows who they're going to have 
in the backfield this week. I think I think we were all surprised that no Gabe Urban for whatever reason, no Ramir Johnson, who they you know showed on the sidelines. Uh, what kind of weapons will they be if available? Jacques Yen had what three carries, five yards. Thought he might have more. I, I don't think we have even come close to scratching the surface in terms of what we're going to see from Nebraska stable of backs to give you an idea of who's going to be the most complimentary to whoever's along that that front line. But, you know, Casey Thompson, he got hit a few times and scrambled for his life on one play. But I thought for the most part, he was fairly well protected, even though he got sacked and whatnot. Uh, his jersey was dirtier than Holinsky's. But, I, you know, I think for the most part, they protected him pretty well. So, again, they're... I would lean maybe more 60-40 positive to negative for the offensive line as opposed to the other way, maybe for the defensive line. Bill uh, Bill Dolman's with us. Roadshow Friday, Elijah Herbal at the single barrel inside the graduate. Bill, your take on this perceived Whipple-Frost drama, is, is it on your radar? And the last part of this, do you think we'll see more quarterback run? Do you need more quarterback run to to work on it, or do you need more quarterback run as a necessity to be a better running football team? Do you mean do we need to see more Logan Smothers? <laughs> not well. You I'm know, not saying I, I, like, I don't think... can't. I'm not saying Casey can't do it, but I think Casey's way more breakable than Logan. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, I, you know, I love the option, um, and I don't know what kind of runner Casey Thompson is you'd have to go back and probably look at what he did in high school because you didn't see him running a whole lot at Texas. What uh, dad did. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah, you know, dad ran the, the, the wishbone in Oklahoma to, uh, to certain successes. But I think you probably got to get him out a little bit more, at least have the threat of the run um, and see what he can do. And, and maybe maybe that's not a strength of his game. But And maybe this is the week that you find that out or next week against Georgia College, Georgia State. Georgia South, Georgia Southern. I don't know. I don't know what uh, multiple choice uh, you settled in on what you were going to call them, but uh, I guess Georgia Southern. So maybe you see what Casey Casey can do, and you also show, you know, Oklahoma. You know, we're we're going to get him out. He might run a little bit. I think if you put Logan Smothers in there, you're probably tipping your hand as to yeah. what could happen. I would love My to see Logan, you know Logan get a couple of more you know carries against uh, Northwestern. Uh, it did happen. It happened one time. But, you know, I think you got to get him out and at least see what he can do if he has the opportunity to tuck it and run it. You don't expect him to be Crouch, Taylor Martinez, Scott Frost, Tommy Frazier. But if he can get you, you know, six yards every other series on a carry, you know, I think that's, that would be a significant uh, boost to the offense. And Bill, I know we got about two minutes left here, so I just want to pose to you, and I don't want to go back to Northwestern. I know we're looking ahead, but was that not super bizarre that Logan Smothers came in for one play, made a successful play? We didn't see him the rest of the drive. I I was sitting there wondering if Casey Thompson had an injury concern or something because it was the first play of the drive. Logan Smothers comes in, gets a good gain, and then, oh, he's off the field. Casey Thompson's back in. I just thought it was super bizarre looking back. Oh, and, and by the way, to answer Chris's part of Chris's question too, I don't that that Mark Whipple Scott Frost thing not on my radar. Mm. I'm sure it was handled uh, in the office, and and maybe the the old guy said, "Hey, young guy, uh, we'll 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 deal with this our way." Uh, I don't look at. It. I'd, I'd like to have some dissension in there to make sure that they're all moving forward and not everybody's a yes man. Uh, yeah, I, I you know I, I'm a Smothers fan. 
you know, I've talked about it in the last couple of years. He's loyal to Nebraska, and he's still there, and he's still fighting. And you give him one play, and he makes the most of it. I do think he gives them a, a dimension that, you know, nobody else does, and that is running the football. I would like to have seen him continue that drive. You know, there were a couple of moments leading into that drive where Casey Thompson was, like, talking to trainers or officials, and I thought maybe mm-hmm. he was hurt a little bit. Um, but that, there's been no mention of it whatsoever. But I, I would have loved to have seen Logan – you know, have a longer have a longer drive, and maybe Casey, Whipple, and Frost all get on the same page once he does take to the field and say, "Here's what we are seeing. Here's what we need to do. No Volkolik, so this is we're gonna what we're gonna do without him." And that may have allowed Nebraska to buy some time with their starter by giving Logan a few more snaps. Bill Dolman's with us. Uh, Roadshow Friday at the Single Barrel. Elijah Herbal posted up uh, right next to the whiskey closet, and it is marvelous. Bill, we're going to commandeer you for uh, another segment. I want to get your thoughts on the college football playoff expansion ruling that came down today, and and also uh, a couple of thoughts here with uh, the Big Ten, what we've seen so far. We've seen Northwestern. We've seen uh, Penn State. We've seen Purdue. Uh, interested also here with Nebraska uh, moving forward here and uh, just what uh, what the, the next couple of weeks can say. More with Bill Dolman, the professor, is uh, what we're going to deem him. Uh, Elijah Herbal, single barrel, Connor Clark, Chris Schmidt, Hale Varsity rolls forward on a uh, Friday road show. When you think of Union Omaha, what comes to mind? The high level of play, the inviting atmosphere, the amazing promotions, huh? I spoke to a former player, and when I asked for one thing that made playing for Union Omaha so special, he responded with the people, his teammates, the staff, and the fans. The super passionate, crazy awesome fans, that is. Why am I bringing this up? Because I want to remind you that the people are just as important to the team as the team is to them. There are plenty of matches down the stretch, and we want to see you in the seats. Get your tickets now before it's too late and now and now back to hail varsity radio back with you it's a road show friday chris schmidt elijah herbal connor clark the professor bill dolman we are presented <laughs> by currency emails to get into uh with you uh before the show ends and tomorrow as uh, we will be geared up for the local pregame 11 30 to 1 30 at the single barrel as well. Bill, big news with college football playoffs, and uh, they have decided to expand. Everyone's on the same page. Yes, I said it. Everyone's on the same page. Oh, yeah. College football yeah. playoff as they, yeah, right? as they are uh, going to go to 12, and that could happen as soon as 2024, but for, su- for sure by 2026. Uh, reaction to this, I don't think it's going to be immediate with, changing the the same four teams winning the whole bleeping thing i mean that's what's going to be part of it it's now a bit of an arms race to see if you can get two three or four in how much of the 12 can you uh can you contribute to as a conference why not eight why 12 or why not 16 why are you giving the four best teams a buy and letting somebody who has a miracle year get in who may may win let's say san jose state wins the mountain west i love the mountain west you all know that Mm -hmm. 
San Jose State wins the Mountain West, and because they're a high-ranked conference champion, but might be ranked behind Alabama, Georgia, Kentucky, and Auburn, let's say, in the SEC, but, but they get in because they're a conference champion. And then they're going to play and get smoked by somebody. Or if they by chance happen to win, they're going to get smoked by a team that got a first-round bye. This is not like the NCAA tournament, or once a decade, Illinois-Chicago sneaks its way through, where North Carolina State 1983 or Villanova, whatever. The Cinderella story is nice for usually a day, maybe a weekend. Two weeks. <laughs> right. So, but but this Florida is college, this is college football, where the disparity between really good and having a dream season is dramatically different. And to think having a really good season is going to continue for two to three weeks in a row, that's just not. This is not going to happen. So either give it sixteen teams a shot. It works in other leagues, other other divisions of football and make everybody play the equal number of games. And then, as Elijah and others have been talking about, that you might slip up, and that team that might win might actually have a chance to go on. But if you're giving the four best teams a bye to play a team that played the week before, it just, to me, it's, it's kind of ludicrous. And I, it, I, look, some teams get on a roll, and some teams sit, and when you sit, you might lose your rhythm. I, I got it. But it just does not make any sense to not have it an even eight or an even 16, everybody's got to play the same number of games. And what's the use of having a poll? Okay, if you're going to give a, a, a that large bid or something to a conference champion in a group of five or power three or power five light, because there's only two powers now, and you're going to give, why have rankings? Why, why do you have rankings at all? If you're just going to give some teams at-large bids when they may not be one of the best eight or the best 12 or the best 16. So don't even have the poll. Just say, okay, you won the AAC, you won the Conference USA, you won the SDC, and we're all going to fight for the championship. That's, to me, it's ludicrous. Eight or 16 and get the best 16 in there. Don't give these special ribbons and these special access for some of these teams because they're not the best. They might be having a good year, but they are not the best teams battling it out for a championship. Bill, I'll, I'll come back opinion, to you, though, though and kind of counterpoint you. Is when you add 16, you're adding a lot of weeks to the season, and that's been a conversation that's been has the fact you, you don't want to have. championship game. This well, is the that... conference championship game. Okay. 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 So, but... so you win the conference regular season title. And you're the best. Ohio State's the best in the Big Ten. You are the conference champion by way of the schedule, not by one one game where Ohio State had to play an extra game against a team like Northwestern who got in there and won the, the, the Big Ten West. Now you've got an extra game and an extra game. Get rid of the conference championship games. You should know who won the conference title by how they played in the regular season. That's the way it should be in basketball, too. Not this automatic bid in March Madness. If you've gone through the gauntlet, of a 20-game conference basketball season, you are the champion, not that team that got hot in one weekend and snuck in as the number five seed, right? Same thing with college football. If you win the conference regular season, you're the best team you're in, okay? But not this. Get rid of the conference championship game. 
Well, here's my problem with that. I, there, it, it, you have an uneven schedule. Some some instances, uh, you look at Iowa as an example. Uh, in 2015, good football team did what they needed to do. Not their fault. They were 12 and 0, and it was them in Michigan State. But that year, Iowa didn't have to jack with a Penn State. They didn't have to mess with the Michigan State. They didn't have to mess with Ohio State. That's problematic. I, I, what I like about this, this, this expansion, and, and I think eight would have been perfect. I don't disagree with you there, but I think there's some years where you've had a darn good Penn State team and an Ohio State team. One got left out. I think with, with the 12 number being what it is, I think you'll be able to get a second, maybe a third Big Ten team in. And, and you're going to have the SEC clamoring. You're going to have your Bama. You're going to have your East Division winner. And you'll probably have your second place SEC West team. Do you take somebody? But you have a poll. You have this committee that sits in a room and determines who, by ranking from October on, these are our best 12 teams. Okay, those are your best 12 teams. If six of them happen to be from the Big Ten or the SEC and one of them from the group of five, two points. Let's go go Utah. Let's let's, let's go Utah. Like you said, everybody's on board this year. You know why they're on board now? Because the Big 12 got pillaged by the Big Ten. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the big, the Pac-12 was a conference that was had kind of a hiccup with what was going on with this this 12-team expansion. The Big 12 was kind of iffy, even though Bob Bowlesby was part of the architect. Not everybody was on board. But all of a sudden, the Pac-12 sure did jump into the ocean today because <laughs> they have lost uh, their two marquee teams. So, yeah, we're all in. If you can get us in and we can get an automatic bid for our champion between Oregon State and Cal, we're all in. We are all in, right? That's what the Pac-12 was left with. And if Clemson gets an invitation to go from the ACC to the SEC, they're still going to do it, even though they could get an automatic bid by being the ACC champion because the money is going to be so much bigger than what the ACC is going to get in their TV deal. If they go to the SEC and they're going to get $125 million as opposed to what's being offered, like 60. You know they're going to go to the SEC because the money is there. So why? But I go back. If you have this committee of all these people sitting in a room and coming up with their poll from October to December, you have 12 teams. Those are the 12 best teams in college football, well, except for the one that won the AAC. Uh, we got to put them in there. And except for the one that won conference, we got to put them in there. You know? It don't have the poll. Just start giving out candy. You get a conference bid. You get a or championship bid. You get a championship bid. And the six best teams are automatically in. And hope you guys enjoyed getting smoked by Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, and Nebraska when they're in the playoff. But I don't have an opinion on this. Well, Bill, with you coming up with you know your argument against the 12-team playoff, it kind of has to be thinking, too, because, okay, if you give more teams a shot to get into that field of 12, and the playoff bids maybe become, I don't want to say more meaningless, but they're not as hard to get, right? It kind of feels that way, and I don't know if you think about this differently, with bowl games since the start of the college football playoff because, okay, the team's main goal is to get to the playoff now and have a shot at that national championship game. All of a sudden, an invitation to the Rose Bowl that's not in that field of what was four 
it's it's important, obviously, but it doesn't feel the same as it once was. I don't. Is that kind of the same in your argument? I'm curious to to hear what you think I, about I, that. Well, I, I think I think all I think the bowl games I are nice things now for those who don't get into the playoff. But look how meaningful the Rose Bowl is now. Remember, the Pac-12 had to hang on to the sanctity of the Rose Bowl because it is so special. How much are we making in the Big Ten? Now, now, now UCLA and USC, through all the sanctity and the pride and the pageantry of, the, of, of that coveted Rose Bowl, completely out the window for a paycheck. All that we heard for so long, BYU, okay, just to take this another step further, would never compete on a Sunday because of that is the church policy. But when they got the opportunity to go to the Big 12, yeah, we could probably play that conference championship game on a Sunday if we make it. You know, all of a sudden the money's there and they just throw stuff out the window. But the bowl games for those teams that don't get in the playoff, that's a nice little reward. I hope Nebraska gets an opportunity to go to bowl games if they don't go to the college football playoff, that they feel rewarded for their effort. But my point is, and Chris, this kind of goes to what you were mentioning. What about Iowa or Penn State who had a good season in 2015? Well, if they're ranked in the top 12 in that committee poll, when it's time to decide the field, then they should be in. Based on what they did against unless the they're TCU and get moved out, but you're gonna, but okay, but but one of those teams, regardless of who they play in their conference, and maybe they're ranked 11th, but because they're not a conference champion of Conference USA, the AAC or whatever, they can't play. If they're if they're in the top 12, but they're gonna get bumped by a group of five. And by the way, those are made up names. You know that Power mm-hmm. Five and Group of Five. That's not in the NCAA bylaws, which has no relevance to college football anymore. Somewhere somebody put in there and labeled these conferences Power Five and Group of Five. And we just bought into it and said, well, that's the way it is. Are you telling me the Big 12, the ACC, and the Pac-12 are groups of five now as constructed as opposed to what they were when this name got posted in a paper? No, they're different. It's Power Two, you've got three, and then you've got five. And there's not much difference between those three and the other five. Bill, 60 seconds, a little less than. I need a prediction tomorrow. Well, last I saw, I, I didn't write this down because I wanted to make sure that my math was correct. Um, it's a 49-point over-under that I saw and a 22.5-point Nebraska by 22.5. So I think Nebraska covers on its own. So Nebraska 49.5, North Dakota 27, or Nebraska 50 and North Dakota 27.5. Okay. Hmm. The, the hook will be alive and well to kick off 2022, says Bill Dolman. couple of segments, Bill. It was awesome to uh, spend time with you. Professor Dolman, is, uh, he's with us here to kick off Friday's Home and Away. Uh, good to spend time. Billy D, we will uh, see you soon. I won't breathe on you recently, but uh, we'll, we'll touch base soon, all right? Thank you, boys. Go Big Red. Elijah, good luck to you. Stay ahead of the law without that mustache. Connor, I'll see you in class at some point during the course of your career. And <laughs> uh, have good. a Manhattan uh, for me. See you guys. Friday, Friday forecast is coming up. Clausburn on the way.
Hello, listener. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity Radio, and I wanted to let you know about a special deal just for listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast. We're offering $10 off the annual subscription price. That means that you can get everything we do. Ten issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe promo code GBR. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back with you, Roadshow Friday. Elijah Herbal at the Single Barrel. Chris Schmidt, Connor Clark. As uh, we are back at it, another home opener for Nebraska tomorrow. And uh, let's get the Friday forecast fired up. We welcome in. He is infamous. He's imaginary. He wears red. Clausberg with us. He joined us as we were over in Dublin last week. Claus, how we doing? Well, I'm doing okay. You know, last week, as uh, you and Marcus abandoned Elijah to do the last segment by himself on Friday, he mentioned (laughs) something about a tie being a possibility. And I think since 1984, I've been clear on my opinion about ties. But I think after the way that game went, I probably would have taken it. Yeah, that one was uh, a little rough. For sure, last week as uh, Nebraska had it and then lost it. And, uh, well, hey, it's uh, North Dakota week this week. So uh, we'll get things kicked off. We'll get things started off. And uh, you have uh, a lot of pretty big-time football. <laughs> uh, and uh, and ball games tomorrow and uh, throughout. So... We'll start off with Georgia hosting Oregon or Oregon clause. You have Georgia minus 17. You have a lot of familiarity. Former defensive coordinator at uh, Georgia is now the head coach of Oregon. I really like Oregon. I think they'll be a good football team this year, but that's not how I want to start my season between the hedges. I'm going to start off and say, give me Georgia 31. Give me Oregon uh, 10. I know that's a low number, but I like Georgia's defense. And give me the win and cover for the dogs, Elijah. Yeah, uh, one thing you're forgetting here maybe is that I think Georgia lost nine starters off their defense last season. And guess what? They have nine more starters. That's true. They're loaded up with five-star talent, but it's still the first game of the season. There's going to be a a bit of a learning curve there. I do like Georgia to win this football game, but 17 is a big spread for me. Uh, So I got Georgia winning this game a little bit closer to – uh, let's go with 31-21. Georgia gets the win. I still think they have a good defense, but there's going to be a little bit of learning for that defense to be done on Saturday. Connor Clark, what say you? I'm kind of leaning towards what you had to say, Schmitty, and I know 17 is a big number, but it's Georgia. Is Bo Nix for real with Oregon? I don't know. I'm going to go with Georgia just fall short of covering. They'll win by 14, let's say 34-20. to Claus, what happens? Well, as you know, for years I've said Georgia is the most overrated team in the country, and I would love to pick Oregon. But their coach was born in 1986. He's just a fetus. The only good things that came out of 1986 
were Top Gun, Cleet Blakeman's 352 yards of total offense, and Voyager 2 probed Uranus, which will never not make me laugh. <laughs> so <clears throat> I'm going to agree with you, Schmitty, although it, it pains me to do so. Georgia 34 and Oregon 17. All right, that is Claus Friday forecast, uh, Roadshow Friday at the Single Barrel. Let's move on to the second game, and that is going to be Utah at Florida. Utah's loaded. Utah's got the quarterback. They've got the coach. They've got the line of scrimmage. It's all new because guess what? Florida hit reset again. Tough ball game, and I usually take the Gators in the swamp, but it's not the same Florida, is it? Give me Utah to win outright by a touchdown. I like Utah uh, 35-28 over the Gators. I might be off on the, the point total there, but I like I like Utah by a touchdown to get the win and the cover. They are no doubt a team to, to like for a playoff run here. Elijah. I think realistically, I think I'd go for a push here. I think Vegas has this line about right, but that is no fun, and therefore I'm not going to predict a push here, but it's going to be close to that. Uh, I got Utah winning this game 24-20, low scoring. It's going to be one on the lines of scrimmage, and that's how Utah gets it done. So give me Utah to cover 24-20. to They get the win over Florida. Connor, what do you got? I think Utah wins by a touchdown, just like you, Schmitty. I think they cover in the swamp, which is no easy task to do. I'm going to go a little bit higher scoring here. Again, I don't know the point total on this game either, but I'm going to go 37-30 Utes. All right, Claus, what happens? Well, when you talk about Utah and you talk about Florida, you can't ignore the special magic garments that their fan bases are wearing. As I understand it's a matter of faith, but quite honestly, I don't think I can take a team with a fan base that wears a garment as religiously as Florida fans wear shorts. And <laughs> so I'm going to take Utah 28 and Florida 21. All right. Uh, we are going to skip ahead. Notre Dame, Ohio State. The Buckeyes minus 17. Ohio State's just too good. And I don't know much about Notre Dame's run game because that's how the Irish win this thing. Uh, unless Ohio State is much better on the line of scrimmage. They got bludgeoned in their three uh, teams uh, showdowns last year. Give me the Buckeyes to win here. It isn't going to be 17, but it'll be right, right around two touchdowns here. Uh, 42-28, I like Ohio State. And I think Notre Dame's pretty good, but the Buckeyes too much at quarterback and at home. Uh, Elijah, what do you got? Yeah, Ohio State at home is big to me here. And uh, Notre Dame with a new head coach. As you said, they got a lot of talent, but they're still unproven in my eyes. And uh, I know what we get with this Ohio State team. It's a lot of talent all over the field, a lot of speed. Going to be tough for Notre Dame to match up with that. I actually have Ohio State rolling in this one, 45-20. to 20. Connor, what's up? I think Ohio State wins this game by a couple of scores. I don't think they cover. 17 is just such a big line for a matchup like this. But when you look at Notre Dame's recent history, it kind of supports the line. But I'm going to go Ohio State 35-21. All right. And, Claus, what happens to your Ohio State or the Irish? Well, game day in Columbus is always special. Also happens to be the name of the great-grandfather of the Buckeyes coach, but I digress. Mm. You know, after last week, the only thing Irish that I even want to hear about are their impressive ability to build cup snakes. So, Ohio State 42 and Notre Dame 20. 
All right, it is Nebraska, North Dakota. Big Red favored by 21 and a half. I think Nebraska wins, but not cover. And give me Nebraska 35-17, a win, but not a cover. They'll look a little bit better. Elijah, what do you have? 21 and a half or 20 and a half? Uh, I think it's up to 21 and a half. I think that's the number. Okay, late moving line towards Nebraska is good things for Nebraska in terms of covering the spread. Uh, so I like Nebraska. I think Notre Dame plays them tough, really going to have a lot of juice, but Nebraska is going to eventually wear them down. And maybe a big play takes the air out of Notre Dame, or excuse me, North Dakota, and uh, Nebraska gets a 41 to 20, excuse me, 31 to 20 victory. No cover, but they do get the win. I'm going to be a little. Connor, what do you got? I'm going to be a little aggressive here, and I'm going to say. The Big Red gets it done, and I think they will cover. I'll go 41-17. Okay. Claude, we're up against a, a hard break, so I'm going to hold you over, if that's all right, my friend, because you need more than about 10 seconds to make your pick on this one. Is that good with you? Okay. All right. That's uh, the infamous Clausburn. It's a roadshow Friday. As Hale Varsity, Elijah Herbal at the single barrel. Chris Schmidt, Connor Clark. One last shot from Clausburn. His pick, Nebraska, North Dakota. Hale Varsity rolls forward. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HaleVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. One final time, Hale Varsity Radio. Single barrel is where Elijah Herbal is at. Getting ready for Nebraska, North Dakota there. At 11.30 tomorrow, ahead of Nebraska, North Dakota. Friday forecast rolls forward. A reminder, Hale Varsity Radio presented to you by Currency. For all your equipment financing needs, go Currency. As Elijah's dreaming of a steak and a whiskey, Connor is like, get me out of here. And uh, we say hi to Claus. Claus, the floor is yours as we crank back up the uh, forecast bed if it's not playing. Claus, lay it out for me here. Uh, Nebraska, North Dakota, you've been thinking on this a while. Well, first of all, I just want to say I'm a little disappointed we didn't get to the Cincinnati-Arkansas matchup. That one's a match made in heaven, really, when you consider that uh, Skyline Chili consumption requires low IQ and even fewer teeth. So they were going to get along famously this weekend. (laughs) But as far as our game, I think my biggest concern for the boys after a game like we experienced last week is probably coming out flat. But there's nobody that knows flat like the state of North Dakota. In fact, (laughs) the people up there, if their dog were to run away, they'd watch him leave for five days. So I think Nebraska (laughs) probably gets it done somewhere in the neighborhood of 42 and North Dakota 10. Claus says Nebraska 42, North Dakota 10. That's a win. And a cover for the Big Red. Claus, any plans tomorrow to watch? Well, I'll be there. I'm trying to pick out my wardrobe. What do you boys think? I'm thinking red blazer, white shirt, no tie, and black slacks. (laughs) That'll be a winner. That'll be an absolute (laughs) winner. Claus, you have yourself a, a bit. No, that's okay. Claus Byrne, he's imaginary. He wears red. He's part of the Friday forecast. 
here on Hale Varsity. Claus, enjoy your weekend. We'll uh, we'll talk next week. Okay. There he goes, the infamous Clausburn with the Friday forecast. So there we have it. High school action going on. Elijah Connor, some good prep action around uh, the city and Jacob highlighted what's going on in the Metro, but some, some busy action on, on a Friday night in Lincoln. And, and really fast, boots on the ground report here from the single barrel. I got Coach Bubba Schwieger to my left of North Dakota talking with some fans, maybe boosters, as there's more green than red in the single barrel right now. Two full buses full of more North Dakota players have rolled in within the past half hour, and uh, we're, we're out of time here to, to get a, a, an interview with the head coach, but he is standing here off to my left. Well, tell, tell Bubba to... Well, tomorrow at 11.30 is probably not a good time, but you've got your phone and you've got your app, so keep working, my man. See if you got five to ten minutes with him after the show. He's taking pictures with the fans, and now he's moving on. It looks like he's a busy man with things to do. Uh, he didn't even shoot a glance at me. I think he knows I'm affiliated with the Huskers. So uh, there he goes, off to uh, back toward the team. Well, there you have it. All right, Elijah, good stuff. Connor, thank you much podcast be sure to check out the podcast spotify itunes google play can get hail varsity radio uh, subscribed to it doesn't cost you nothing and get involved with hailvarsity.com and the magazine uh, i can log on uh, hailvarsity.com backslash subscribe uh, do that we'll get caught up uh, tomorrow 11 30 pregame locally have a great weekend we'll be back at you tuesday with hail varsity and presented by currency